Welcome to Leading Lights. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more information and resources. Hello again. I'd like to welcome you back to this series we're doing on faith, which is such an important topic. We've done six talks already, and today I'm going to wrap up by talking about the life cycle of faith. In other words, how faith comes to be, how it grows strong or dies, and the result of faith. And I'm going to be using a picture of a seed being sown, a farmer going out, throwing some seed. It lands in the soil. It grows up. Sometimes there's other things competing with it. And eventually, hopefully, if it grows to full life, then it produces fruit. That's what faith does in our lives. And I'm going to show you how that can happen in your life. So the stages in the life cycle of faith, it starts with the sower, which is God who sows the seed. And it's all about his grace, his kindness. The next thing is the word or the seed being thrown out. Then we are the soil that receive that seed. Then there's a time of testing or trial. And then there is some action or some uh, fruitfulness that's required on our part. And the final result is producing a harvest. So it starts with grace or God as the sower. Then there's the word, the seed. It's received by us. There's testing, there's action, and then there's fruitfulness. So I hope you're ready to go through this. Let's start off by saying that it's all about grace in the beginning. Faith starts with God as the source, the one who gives his word and who gives grace. There's so many verses about this in the Bible, but the Bible says that we have been given the power, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead has been given to us as a free gift. Ephesians 1 verse 19 and onwards talks about the same power that raised Christ from the dead is in us, the working of God's mighty strength, which raised Christ up. And, and seated him at the right hand of God in heaven. And Romans 8 verse 11 says, The spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. So it starts with God's power and his grace. And I want you to know that God's power and his grace is for you. It's not all about you doing it on your own. You don't have to work it up and strive and make it happen. You receive the grace of God. But then there are certain steps that happen. So in the life cycle of faith, the word or the seed has to come first. If we don't hear the word, if we don't understand God's word, the promises from his word, um, the, the blessings that he gives us in his Bible, then we won't be able to have faith. So the word or the seed is essential. We've had grace, we've had the word, but now we come to the part where we receive the word as soil. We receive it and we respond to it. And there's a story of a sower in Matthew chapter 13. Jesus told a parable about a farmer who goes out to sow and the seed falls on different types of soil and some of it grows up and produces a harvest and other seed doesn't. Let me just read you a couple of verses. Matthew 13 verse 19 Jesus said, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the one who received the seed by the wayside. So he said there's some people who in their lives, faith never really gets birthed. God is, is wanting to give them grace. The word is coming to them but their, their heart does not receive or understand or accept the word, and so faith can never be born. Then he goes on in the next verse to say, But some received the seed on stony places, and these are the ones who hear the word. Immediately they receive it with joy, 
Yet it has no root. He has no root in himself and he endures only for a short while. For when tribulation or persecution arise because of the word, immediately he stumbles. So there are some people who receive the word and faith is born in them. You can imagine the scene. A person listens to something on the Internet or on the radio and TV or they go to a meeting or they hear something from somewhere of the word of God and immediately he says they receive it with joy. There's an excitement. There's a happiness. Yes, this is wonderful. But because they don't have a deep root, when trouble or testing comes because of the word, then that faith dies. And that root is uh, the decision of our will where we say, I am choosing, I'm deciding that no matter what happens, I'm going to believe and I'm going to stick with this. And that's the, the very important part about us receiving the word for faith to grow. It can't just be emotion and joyfulness and happiness. It can't just be an emotional experience. There has to be some thought where my mind thinks about, am I willing to commit to this? And am I willing to count the cost and stick at it? And then a decision of the will where we say a bit like a, a married couple, when they first get married, they say, I promise to stay with you for richer, for poorer, in sickness and health, for better, for worse, no matter what happens until death parts us. That's the commitment required where we say, God, I receive your word. I've thought about it and I am activating my own will to decide to put a deep root down to make to make this work. And so faith requires the seed to have a deep root, which is us receiving it deeply and deciding strongly to follow with God. So that's the third part. Then let me just talk about testing. He says that when trouble or persecution come because of the word, these people can fall away. Circumstances can come against us. A long time can elapse. Uh, we can have all sorts of fears and other things, other beliefs crowding out in our minds. And all of these things can test the word of God that has produced faith in us. So you can imagine you go to a meeting and you hear God loves you. He's for you. His grace is for you. He wants to bless you and, and look after you and provide for all your needs. And you receive it with joy. You decide to follow. You put down a deep root. But then there may be a time that elapses and you don't see anything happening. Or it may be that other people come against you. Or maybe a family member says, yeah, that religious stuff is rubbish. You can't believe that. Or, or, or fear comes up within you or, or some circumstance, a, a terrible thing comes against you. And all of these are tests that come against our faith. Now, it's amazing. Um, Matthew 13 verse 22 goes on to say, Now he who received seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. So it's not just negative testing. He says sometimes it's the deceitfulness of riches or the cares of this world that can crowd in and start to test our faith. Anything that pulls us away from believing what God's word says is a test and it can either make us unfruitful or it can make the plant die. Faith can die completely. But the Bible says some interesting things about this testing. In 1 Peter 1 verse 6, Peter says to us, You greatly rejoice in various trials, knowing that the genuineness of your faith, 
being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. What he's saying is that when these trials come, they can either weaken and kill our faith, or we can rejoice and say, these trials are actually making my, my faith stronger. They're, they're refining my faith, which is more precious than gold. The Bible says that we refine gold in a fire to make it pure and our faith is more precious than gold. So when the trials come, if we stick with it, if we are patient and determined and we trust in the Lord and we keep believing and trusting in God and looking to Him, what happens is my faith gets refined. It gets made purer, stronger. It's a little bit like a person going to a gym and lifting weights to strengthen their muscles. The trials don't need to destroy our faith. They can actually strengthen our faith, which is a wonderful truth. I'd just like to tell you a story about Peter. He was in a boat in the middle of the lake at night. And Matthew 14 verse 25 says, In the fourth watch of the night, that's about three in the morning, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So Jesus said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? You can see from this that it was Peter looking at the trials and the tests around him that caused him to doubt, to cause, that caused his faith to become weak and he, he failed to carry on with what God had given him to do. So trials and tests can cause us to go stronger or weaker for the Lord. Unbelief is a major issue in this and I'm not going to talk about it now, but we have another video on this site which is called Unbelief and I, I really would ask you to to look at that video to see how unbelief can come in a bit like those weeds and choke the plant that's growing up there. It's where we believe in other things. We believe in maybe things that other people have said or that we've just always assumed were true and they cause our faith to be weakened. We have faith, but we also believe other things and, and the Bible calls that unbelief. And the battlefield of our mind is such an important issue. There'll be other talks on this site about how our mind is the place. It's the place of the skull. You know, Jesus was crucified at the place of the skull. Your mind is the place where battles are won and lost in spiritual things. How you think, whether you allow your thoughts to go a negative way or whether you keep your thoughts on what God has said. And the Bible says that we can in uh, 2 Corinthians 10 verse 4, it says we can take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And so I would encourage you to learn to take unbelief, take those thoughts captive and say, no, I'm choosing to believe God. So we've talked about the word coming, the seed coming, uh, God gives his grace. He gives us his word. We are receptive soil that allows the seed to go in deep with a deep root. We decide when the testing comes, we allow it to refine our faith. Understand that it's not God who's testing us. 
the devil is the one who tests us. The Bible always says that it's not God that tests us, but God uses the testing a bit like fire to refine gold, to refine our faith, to make it stronger and purer. And when we come out the other side, our faith is that much stronger. So we can see the life cycle of faith so far is that it's growing, hopefully stronger and not getting weaker caused by trials. Now I want to just talk about the last couple of steps. We need to act on our faith in order for this plant to grow. James chapter 2 verse 26 says, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. What does this mean? It means that faith can come in. I can with joy receive the word of God, the the word lands on the soil of my heart, I allow it to take root, I allow it to grow up, but there is always going to be an action that I would take to make that faith come to fruition. I need to act in some way. Without works, faith is dead. Let me just make clear that works do not make faith happen Faith is already alive. The seed has already been planted in our, in our hearts. It's already growing. Faith has already come to us as a gift from God. But if I choose not to act on my faith, then that faith, the Bible says, just as a body without a spirit is dead, faith without works is dead. Faith was alive, but if I don't act on it, if I don't obey what I feel the Lord is telling me to do, then that faith dies. This is quite a solemn warning for us. I've seen so many people who have received the word of God with joy. Faith has definitely been born in them. A wonderful gift from God has come into their hearts and they say, yes, God is wonderful. He's my healer. He's my Lord. He's got great things for me. I trust him. I love him. But then they've been required to act on it. There's always, always an action. Sometimes it's a spoken word. Sometimes it's an action of our bodies. Sometimes it's an attitude change. There's always an action required from faith. And when a person decides, I'm not going to act on this faith, I've seen it so many times. Their faith doesn't just remain constant. It actually dies. Let me give you an example. You may have become a Christian recently and you suddenly see the promises in the Bible where in Luke, Jesus says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over will be poured into your lap for with the same measure you used, you use it will be given to you. And so people read those verses and they say, wow, God is great. He wants to bless me so that I can bless others. I can be part of his plan to provide resources to the world and to the needs of the world. And immediately they realize, well, I'm going to have to give. And they look at their bank balance. They look at their wallet. Instead of praying to God, they pray to their wallet and say, can I do this wallet? And suddenly fear, unbelief, whatever it is, maybe words from somebody else or or just looking at the circumstances come in and they choose not to act. They choose not to give, even though faith in them is saying give. And as a result, faith dies. And then what what is needed is a fresh birth of faith. In other words, the word of God has to come anew and faith has to start from scratch and grow up as a tiny plant again. But if I do act, then faith gets stronger. And this is called love. Galatians 5 verse 6 in the New International Version says, The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So we've seen hope 
and faith, and now we see love. The Bible talks about faith, hope, and love as the great three things that are so important. And we see how they all fit together in this topic. Hope gives birth to faith, and then faith gives birth to action, which is called love. Faith expresses itself through love, either love of God or love of people, but it's always an action inspired by faith. The opposite of this is to shrink back. And the Bible talks about this a lot. Hebrews 10 verse 39 says, We are not of those who draw back or shrink back to destruction, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Often the action required is a speaking action. We pray, we praise, we give thanks to God, we speak out something. Often in the Bible, the first response of faith is a speaking response. And it's often uh, just praising and worshiping God. I'm reminded of... Paul and Silas in Acts chapter 16, they were in prison. They had been imprisoned for preaching the gospel. They had been whipped and their backs were beaten. They were chained in a jail. It was nighttime. They had no way out. They had no idea whether they would survive. Maybe they would be executed. And yet the Bible says that at midnight, Acts 16, 25, at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Why were they doing that? Because faith results in an action. There was trials, there was all sorts of circumstances around them that they could have looked at and listened to, but actually they said, I'm allowing faith to grow in me. I'm acting out my faith, which says I see God's glory all around me and I'm going to praise Him no matter what the circumstances say. There's always an action. Faith without works is dead. What happened when Paul and Silas prayed and sang hymns? The Bible says, All the other prisoners were listening to them and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. Friend, when you have faith and when you act on it, you might not realize it, but all the people around you who are probably prisoners of this world and the enemy, they are watching you. And as you act in faith, either speaking or doing something kind for somebody or trusting God and stepping out in faith and risking something or loving someone or loving God, as you act, maybe it's just praise and worship. When there's no circumstances that that require you to praise God, but you praise Him anyway, other people's chains get loosed and people get set free because of your faith. And I've seen it so many times. Just one more example of this. In 2 Chronicles 20, Jehoshaphat was the king of Israel. And uh, the armies, a huge army was coming against him and he didn't know what to do. They knew they were going to be overrun and, and, and defeated. And they had a word from the Lord. Don't worry, God is going to fight this battle for you. And so he put singers to praise the Lord in the front of the army. And as his army went forward, the, the worshippers were in the front and they were walking towards the enemy and they were singing, praise the Lord for his mercy endures forever. They were acting out their faith in the midst of circumstances that were the opposite. And it says in verse 22, when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, who had come against Judah, and they were defeated. So as you act, it releases even more of God's power in your life. I hope you can see this picture of the life cycle of faith, how there's all these opportunities for it to either get weaker and die or to get refined and stronger and for great power to be released. And this is the life cycle of faith. And the last step is fruitfulness, where 
the power of heaven, the promises that God has given come to pass. And we say praise God and glory is, is given to God because of, of everybody seeing the fruitfulness that has come because of your faith. So the, the picture of the seed and the sower, Matthew 13, let's just read the last verse there. It says, but he who received seed on the good ground is he who hears the word, understands it, and indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundred, some sixty, some thirtyfold. This is the final result where there's fruitfulness. And notice that it's 30, 60, 100. It's much more, it's a supernatural abundance. It's much more than we would normally expect. The results of faith are supernatural. Just as a seed is planted and it produces potentially millions and millions more seeds. That's the same with faith. The word of God comes and as it produces fruit in your life, the results are abundant. They are multiplied. And that's, that's what faith can do in your life. There's so many examples of this. When you ask God uh, to fill you with His Spirit, Luke 11, 11 says, If we ask God our Father, He will give us His Spirit. And I say, Lord, I trust Your Word. I see Your Word. It takes root in me. I, I thank Him for it. And then I act on it. I start to speak out either tongues or prophecy and praise. And God fills me with His Spirit. Often it's that action of just me stepping out and doing something, using my body or my will to act that releases the power of faith. Sometimes it's um, healing. We can pray for people for healing. And I've often prayed for people and I know God has touched them, but it requires them to take a step, maybe to start moving a body part that they couldn't move before. And then the power is released. Faith with the trials against the trials, we overcome them by acting on it. We trust the Lord and then the, the power is released and fruitfulness comes out. Friend, we've had a, a series on faith and I want to tell you that the spiritual realm is real. It's more real than the physical. It's all around you and God is for you. He's got great power for you, but he's given you his words. These powerful seeds, these supernatural seeds. He's the sower. He's throwing them out all the time. Your heart is the soil. Will you receive it? Will you let it take root? And even when the trials come, when the testing comes, will you say, I will not allow other things to distract me. I will act on what God says. I will be patient. I will stick with it. I will praise him even in the midst of trial and I will see fruitfulness come. If you do that, the Bible says if we have faith and patience, we can imitate those who receive the promises of God. And I pray that you will be a person with faith and patience who receives the promises of God by faith. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.